Dear Father, I thank you so much, God, for this morning and this chance that we could worship you. We pray, God, that you would just open up our hearts and open up your mi- our minds, Lord, to uh, what you want us to learn this morning, God. And we pray that you would um, just meet us where we're at right now. If we just had a busy morning or just a busy week, God, we just want to um, give this time to you. And we pray that you would be glorified with our worship. We ask you, Lord, to... Um, to forgive us, Lord, of any sin that um, we may have not confessed to you, Lord, and we confess that before you right now. We thank you, God, that you are the mighty king, and we pray that you would be glorified in your name. Amen.
thank you, God, that you are victorious, that you are the great king. And God, as we celebrate Father's Day today, we thank you that you are our true Father, God. And Lord, we thank you that we can call to you anytime that you know our hearts, Lord, and that your love is so deep and so vast for us. And so we give this song to you as an offering. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond our measure, that he should give his only that first verse again. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his
Lord is our ultimate healer, and he's the, he's the one that we need, and nothing is impossible with God.
light of all you've done for us, the only reasonable response is to offer your lives as a living sacrifice. Give it right back to him. Let's sing like this. You stood before creation. thank you so much for you and just for giving yourself to us, God. We give you this morning. 
In your name, amen. Um, it's good to see you. Oh, the youth, you can, you can go with Michael. You'd rather hear him than me, I know. So, which is okay. Um, but as, as youth leave, um, just for my short introduction, uh, as you know, as, um, this is the second to last Sunday that I'm going to be here at Harvest as the senior pastor. It doesn't mean it's probably the second to last Sunday I'll be here. Um, I'm sure we'll be back in future times to visit. But it is the second last time that I will have the privilege of standing before you as your pastor and preach. And I was thinking um, about a month ago, um, what would be the last two messages that I might want to share with you? And I thought, well, what's a passage from the Old Testament? And what's one passage from the New Testament that I would like to share? Well, the passage from the New Testament will be next week. And it's Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And we're going to explore all of what that might mean for us as a people in this time of change. What it means for me as God leads Carol and I to Thousand Oaks to serve there at the Chinese Christian Church in Thousand Oaks. But also what it means to us here to have an identity that is firmly founded in Jesus, who is our good shepherd, who is the one who loves us, and because he is our good shepherd, died for us. And that is the passage that I've chosen from the Old Testament to preach today, from Psalm 23, that we might know together as a people what it means to have a good shepherd, to have a great shepherd who is the only shepherd. And there are a lot of under-shepherds. That is the role that I play. That's the role that Pastor Jerry plays. That's the role that Michael plays. That is the role that all the elders have in sharing as under-shepherds. But there's only one shepherd, and he's the one we need. And today our message is about this shepherd and how, how he is not just our shepherd, but he's also our father. When Jesus came into the world, the fulfillment of prophecy in Isaiah was that he would come as almighty God, but also as everlasting father and prince of peace. And so Jesus' name is Everlasting Father. And when we look into the Old Testament, we see that God himself is also our shepherd. And so today, as we look into Father's Day and what it means to worship God and what it means to have God as our Heavenly Father, we also look at him as our Heavenly Shepherd. If you have your outline, would you look with me at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. And you have that verse there on your outline. Would you read it out loud with me? And let's say it together. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. And he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And this is God our Father. And this is who he is, that he is a shepherd. And, and whatever views that we have on God, we need to include this in that understanding of who he is. That he holds us, he considers us like lambs, like gentle newborn lambs. And he carries us where he carries us close to his heart. And how does he lead us? He leads us gently. He leads us gently. And John chapter 10, verse 11, would you read that with me? These are words of Jesus, our Savior, who said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And this is Jesus. This is the one we come to worship. This is the one who I, we are here today. And as we worship God, as we seek our shepherd, we are seeking not just to know him, but to follow, to follow him and to love him and to be near to him. But he's also seeking the same for us. There are things that he will constantly give to us. There are things that our good shepherd will constantly bestow and bless us with. And we want to look at those things today. There's three vital necessities that we all have that God always gives to us. And then a response from us is appropriate. And what would that response be? As David wrote this psalm, David was probably thinking about the time he was growing up. When he was a young boy, he was a shepherd. He took care of sheep. And God had called David later on in life to be the king over Israel. But not just a king, but a shepherd king. One who would care for the people of Israel like a shepherd cares for his sheep. 
And so it's in all likelihood that as David was writing this psalm, he was thinking about what it was like to be a shepherd. But here, David's looking at God as a sheep would look at his shepherd. And that's how we will look at it today. That we are sheep looking up at our shepherd. And what is it that he wants so much to give to us? And what is it that we can do in response to that kind of love? Let's pray and ask God to open our hearts that we might understand this and apply it to our lives. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for your love to us, for the kindness that comes from your heart, and for the revelation of your word that teaches us that you are always a shepherd. We read this in the Old Testament, we read it in the New Testament, and we read it about heaven in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, that you are our heavenly shepherd. And so, Father, we pray that just as David was so confident, that we would be confident today, too. And as David was so committed, that we would be so committed, too. And we pray, Father, that today we might know you as shepherd, that we would love you as sheep, and we would know that you hold us near in your arms and close to your heart. In your name we pray. Amen. If you would look at your outline or... Um, You would see um, Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3 there. And I'm using the English Standard Version today, and so that's why it's printed in your bulletin. Although later we will look at some verses in the Bibles, in New International Version, whichever Bible that you've brought today. But the first is in verses 1 through 3, and I'll read it, and it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. We've heard these verses over and over and over again. They might be the most famous verses of the Bible. Verses that people have heard countless times in countless situations. Most of the time we hear them in difficult situations. We hear them at funerals. We hear them in sad times. But these are verses that apply to all of life and not just difficult times. These are verses where David is saying to us, the Lord is my shepherd all the time. And I don't have to worry about anything. The shepherd is going to take care of me. He loves me and he'll guide me and he will lead me. Just as we read in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. And the shepherd is one who is good. And the shepherd is one who not only laid his down for us so that the sheep could live, but he continues to live out that life for us today that we would be able to be sheep who follow a living shepherd, that we follow a shepherd who died for us and who rose again. And if he does that, and if he's done that, then he can take care of all that I might want. He can take care of all of my needs. And the first thing for us to know and to remember every day, all the time, is God provides. God provides. Whatever it is you feel like you need right now, God provides. Carol and I are going through a lot of changes in our life right now. It is very surprising that God, and I I have to admit this, at my age, would call me to do something new. But God will provide. God will give the strength. God will give the courage. God will give the wisdom. God will pave the way and give the path for us to walk. He will provide for us. But the main thing he wants to provide for us is not just to have all of our needs met. It's not just so that we'll be comfortable. It's not just so that he will wipe away our tears. It's not just so we get all the gifts that we want and all the accolades and all the success. But I believe the main thing that the shepherd wants to give to us is rest. He wants to give us rest and rest for our souls. And this is what we all need all the time. The shepherd cares for us, and David is is fully committed to the shepherd. What kind of shepherd we have is one that cares for us. He's, He's our Lord. David calls him by the personal name, Yahweh, or Jehovah, which means he is the one who is and it was and it was to come. He is the eternal God who takes care of all of our needs. He is a Lord who is faithful. He is a Lord who is kind. He is a Lord who is giving. And this is why he sent Jesus to us, so that we might visibly see what a shepherd looks like. 
as Jesus is our good shepherd, and he cares for us, and he loves us. But the response for us in all of this, in knowing what God's going to do for us, begins by declaring that he is my shepherd. It is a possession. It is not just the provisions that the shepherd gives, but it's the fact that he possesses me in love, and I want to possess him in love as well. If you look in your outline, you'll see that there is a confident commitment that we can make. We'll see three of them today. And the first confident commitment is this, that I will keep the Lord Jesus Christ as the absolute priority of my life. In Jude chapter 11, uh, Jude 21, the Bible says, Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. There's something that you and I can do. The Lord, our God, will lead us. He will take care of all of our needs. But we have to also keep God as the priority of our life. God won't force his shepherding love on us. We have to keep him before us. You know, um, there's a difference between a shepherd and a cowboy, right? Because those who take care of sheep are not, they're not called sheep boys, right? They're called shepherds, all right? But, but what a cowboy does is a, a cowboy herds cattle, right? A cowboy herds cattle, and oftentimes they're behind them, and they're on horses, and, and they'll, they'll have whips to make noise, and, and they'll make the cows go forward. But a shepherd's not like that. A shepherd just walks in front of the sheep. A shepherd doesn't herd his sheep from behind. A shepherd walks in front of his sheep. That's why it's so important for us to know our shepherd's voice, is that we hear him calling. A shepherd has a voice that individual sheep understand the tone of the voice of the shepherd. They know his voice or her voice. They know who to follow. And when they hear that shepherd's voice, they'll leave the pastures and they'll follow. It's so important for us in the same way, to know that we must keep our eyes on Jesus. We must keep our ears tuned to him. He is not just a shepherd. He is not just the shepherd. He is my shepherd. And then David says, what of my shepherd? He says, my shepherd will make me lie down. He'll make me lie down. Now, this is not like the making the lie down like we might do with a child, and we just pick up the child, and we make them lie down. We drop them in their crib, or we drop them in their cradle, or we throw them in their room and say, you stay in your room. It's not that kind of make, okay? It's the kind of make that um, I felt when I first saw Carol. Um, she made my legs weak. She made my heart twitter, all right? Or when I saw my children, okay, they just made my heart melt. That's the kind of make that the shepherd does. He makes us lie down in green pastures because we're so satisfied. We're so at peace. We are so in love with our shepherd and we recognize his goodness to us that he just makes me lie down. And I could do that. A sheep will not lie down unless certain things are taken care of in their life. The first is that they have to have no fear. No fears. The shepherd makes sure that anything that might hurt us will not hurt us, and we don't have to fear. They also have to be free from friction among what? Among other sheep. And so the shepherd calls us to have unity among the sheep, that the sheep might not be in friction with each other. The third thing, that they also have to be free from pests, from the things that bother us. And not just our big things, but the little things in life that can keep us up, the little things in life that can trouble us. The shepherd takes care of all those little things as well. And the last thing is the shepherd makes sure we're not hungry because the sheep won't lie down if they're hungry. They stand up to eat. When a sheep lies down, they're not grazing. They are resting. They're resting. And this is what God wants for us. He wants us to rest. He makes us lie down in green pastures, and he leads us beside still waters. He leads us, and this word leads also means to gently lead. He leads us gently. In Revelation 21, verse 6, if you would open up your Bibles with me, the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21, verse 6. We have some Bibles there in the middle aisle, and if somebody could reach down, pick them up, and pass them to the outside. 
Revelation chapter 21, verse 6. So the last book of the Bible, talking about what God's going to do for us, talking about what God wants us to have forever. And these are the words that we read that are written from John, but about what will be said of Jesus for all of eternity. And there it says, he said to me, it is done. And Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. And this is poetic. This is beauty. This is promise. That when we are in heaven, it would be as if we, if we were thirsty, everything will be taken care of. That Jesus would take care of all of our thirst because he is the water of life. And I think that all of us on earth, while we are on earth, we thirst for so many things. We thirst for popularity. We thirst for meaning. We thirst for money. We thirst for friends. We thirst for love and acceptance. But what we thirst for more than anything else is certainty that we are loved and that we are cared for. And Jesus says, I will do that for you. I will take care of this thirst for you. I will take care of the deepest thirst of your soul. Turn with me, please, to John, the fourth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the fourth chapter. John chapter 4, verse 13. John chapter 4, verse 13. And there it says, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That God doesn't want just the water to come from the outside in. He wants the water to also come from the inside to fill us. That he will be a spring of living water within us. And these, the shepherd as he leads beside still and quiet waters is also helping us to become in these same ways of people who are filled with the stillness of this water refreshing our soul within us so that we can have rest, so that we can have peace. Now we know, and every sheep knows that life isn't easy, that there are difficult times and there are times where it's very hard to know that our lives are going to be okay because we feel as though things have fallen apart. But God promises us that he will, as it says in verse 3, he will restore us. Not only will he give us rest, but he will restore us. Now, we're used to things being restored in this world. Like we might restore a car, we might restore antiques, we might restore buildings. But here God's restoring a life. He's restoring a life. And there are times when a sheep can fall down. And it's, what happens is the sheep is cast. It's called, it's, the sheep actually just falls over or it can get, fall into a crevice or can fall down a hill. And what happens is sheep have very short feet. And sometimes they can have a lot of wool, a lot of fleece. And sometimes they can be really big. And if something happens, like if they're resting in a crevice and they lean over, what can happen is their legs can fall to the side. And the little four legs can't get up. They can't get up on their own. They're cast. And no other sheep can help them up. Only a shepherd can help them up. And a shepherd will and a shepherd does. And a shepherd comes and makes sure that the sheep, any sheep that's cast will be lifted up. And I think there are times that you and I feel cast in our lives. David, in Psalm 42, expressed it this way. Why are you cast down? Oh, my soul, why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I will yet again praise him, my salvation and my God. And there are times in our lives, and you know people who maybe feel this way too, that they are like that sheep laying on its side, and their, their feet, their arms, their lives are just flailing. And what we need is we need a shepherd to come who will provide for all of our 
all of our wants. Another way we might say this verse is not only the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, but what we might say is the Lord is my shepherd, he's all I want. The Lord is my shepherd, he's all I want. Not only will he take care of all of our wants, but he's going to provide for us and he's going to protect us. He's going to protect us, and the way that he protects us is through righteousness. Let me read verses 3 through 5, and you can follow. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Our shepherd leads us. He leads us beside the still waters, but he also leads us in paths of righteousness. But where do these paths of righteousness travel through? They travel through the valley of the shadow of death. A lot of times I think we think that if we walk righteously, we won't have any problems. If we walk righteously, we don't have to worry about dangers. If we walk righteously, everything will work out okay. Sheep do travel down into the valleys. Shepherds will lead them down into the valleys. But the shepherd will also lead them up into the mountains. And when you go up into the mountains, you also travel through valleys. I know that when I get to Thousand Oaks, I'm going to be living in a valley. It's called Conejo Valley. I know that between here and there, I'm going to have to travel through two other valleys, San Gabriel Valley and San Fernando Valley. And in each of those cases, there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. And sometimes when we're going up into the mountains and the shepherd is leading us higher and higher and higher, we're still traveling through valleys where there are shadows, where there's danger, and where there's death. And I know that for all of us, we experience those times. We experience difficulty and we wonder, why did this happen? But God says, this is the way that I will lead you. I will lead you in righteousness upon this path. And the confidence that we can have and the confidence that we can make, you have it there again on your outline, is I will walk in righteousness. See, he leads me in paths of righteousness. He provides the righteous way. He provides the right way to live. And so our confident commitment is that I will walk in righteousness to the valleys of life. We all have valleys of life. In Psalm chapter 25, Verse 21, it says, May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope... Oh, thank you, Jeff. Thanks. You, you can see all my reminders. <laughs> he protects us in righteousness, and our response is, I will walk in righteousness. Psalm 25, verse 21 says, May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, Lord, is in you. What protects us in times of difficulty? Righteousness. What protects us in the valleys of the shadow of death? Integrity. Because the Lord is with us. He will help us. We are in times where there are shadows. We are in times where they are in danger. But shadows cannot hurt us. Shadows cannot take us away from this world. Shadows can scare us. Shadows can threaten us. Shadows can make us in places where we feel very, very afraid. But if we look to our shepherd, we'll see that he is there and he will protect us with his rod and with his staff. A shepherd would carry a rod. It's sort of a short stick. And he would take this stick from a piece of wood and he would carve it so that it ergonomically fit perfectly in his hand. And he would actually use it as a weapon. It'd be maybe about 12 to 18 inches long. And he would actually do target practice with it. And he would be able to use it as a weapon to scare away and to, to take away animals that might hurt his sheep. He would use it so that he would be able to protect his sheep and be a weapon in his hand. And the staff was a, was a measure of the way that the shepherd could show comfort to his sheep. And we're familiar with the staff having a little crook on the end. 
And that with that little crook, the shepherd would do many different things with it. He could pick up a sheep. That's, when on the, that's why it's there and it's round and it's on the end. He could use his hands to pick up the sheep when it's cast. But when it's turned around the other way, he would use it not just as a walking stick, but he would use it to tap the sheep on their side so that they might know that his presence, that they might follow him and they might walk with him. And the staff was a way of intimacy. The staff was a way of guidance. The staff was a way of showing the sheep that he was present and leading and there for them. And as David said, he will comfort me with his staff. The shepherd's presence, his staff, his rod is there for our comfort. And this word comfort is a beautiful word. It means to sigh with those who sigh or to sigh with those who grieve. And sheep are often in danger of getting hurt even while they eat. They can go and eat in thorn bushes. They get hurt. They can fall. They get scraped. And so the shepherd would carry with him oil, anointing oil, oil that would soothe the wound, oil that would help for the wounds to get better. And now we see that the shepherd is a shepherd of abundance over his sheep. And so when he says that he will anoint his head with oil, it is abundantly anointing the head of the sheep with oil so that the sheep's wounds would be healed, so that the sheep would feel the tenderness and the coolness of the shepherd's hand, as well as feeling the results of it with the anointing of the oil left behind. It was more than abundant. David says, not only is there an abundance that he will help me with my healing of my daily needs, but he will take care of all of my physical needs as well. There's, he's going to prepare a table before me. He's going to prepare food in the midst of the problems that I have in life. He's going to take care of my bodily needs. He's going to prepare a table. He's going to invite me to have fellowship with him and to eat with him. And when I'm thirsty again, he's going to fill my cup. And my cup's going to run over. A shepherd would have a large cup that when he brought the sheep in from the pasture at night and he would check them out after he had anointed them with oil, after he had put them into the pan, he would bring them a cup and if they were thirsty, they could drink from it, from his very own hand. And this shepherd cares about each of us in that same way, that there is an abundance and that it is all that we need is in the shepherd. And so we might say, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all that I want. But we would also say, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all that I need. He's all that I need. He will take care of our needs, and he is our need. He will protect us in times when we feel like we are in danger. And he will lead us in the paths of righteousness. But the third thing that the shepherd will always provide is his presence. He will provide his presence with us. We are never, ever alone. I think one of the things that I struggle with more than anything else is loneliness. Part of it is growing up as an only child and having certain human issues that have come with that. But being a Christian, God has reminded me over and over again that it is his presence and only his presence which will take away my loneliness. My wife, as much as I love her, cannot take away my loneliness. My children, as much as I love them, cannot take over my loneliness. The people that I serve and the people that I fellowship with you cannot erase my loneliness. Only Jesus can. And the confidence of his presence with me always. And where is this presence? Look at verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The presence of the Lord is behind him. It follows him. And it follows him in goodness and mercy. And when we think about that, we think about when you live and you walk and you think, oh, I did this in my life, and, and you've tried to be a father and you've made mistakes, and you look back and you go, oh, gee, I don't want to see that. But God says, I look back at that, and he says, I will redeem it. I have the power to take what you think was bad and redeem it. And when you look back, there's goodness and mercy. 
you look at your own personal life and maybe you say, there's places in my life where I've done things that I shouldn't have done. There's things that I've said that I shouldn't have said. There are habits that I have that I shouldn't practice. And you look back and you go, oh God, I'm so ashamed of them. But God looks back at them and what does he see? He sees the possibilities of goodness and mercy. He sees the healing. He sees the redemption. He sees the forgiveness. He sees the power. He sees what he can do for us. He is behind us. He is with us, and he is before us. As David says, he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so we see from the very beginning when David said, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord who was and is and is to come. He's also the shepherd who was behind me, who is with me, and who is in front of me, of whom I will be with, and I could be confident. I can be confident. And you see the third confidence there that we can have as believers and as sheep, and it's in the box. Would you read it with me? Let's say it together. I will always be aware of the Lord's presence. I will always be aware of the Lord's presence. He will be with us. He promises that he will bring his children to be with him forever. He promises he will never, ever forsake us or leave us. He promises that we'll never fall out of the Father's hands. He promises us that whatever promises he has made, they are yes, amen, and absolute in him. And we can be confident in him. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 16 and 17, and you have that there. In your outline, would you read it with me? Revelation 7, 16 and 17. Let's say it together. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I think that we're all very familiar with that last verse. And we look forward to it. That God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And as I think of, of what it means for me to um, be moving away from harvest, there have been some times of tears. I know that there's been many for my wife. And many of you have shared them with me. And those are the tears of parting. But in the 16 years that we've been together, we have shared other tears of deep pain and brokenness, of hurts, of broken relationships, of loss, of death. We have hurt and we have shared. And God promises that every tear is going to be wiped away. But what we also need to see is that before that, what is the reason why these tears can be walked away is because of verse 17 that says, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. It is our shepherd who wipes away our tears. It is our shepherd who leads us to these still springs of living water. And we can be confident and we can be assured and we can make that commitment that just as he will always be with me forever, even now he is with me, therefore I can say, I will always be aware of the Lord's presence. I will think of him. I will boast of him. I will seek him. And yes, things in my life can be difficult. Things in our life can be difficult. But God promises that no matter what we think is happening, no matter what may fall apart, no matter what may be unsure, that we can look back and we will know that in this season of our life, yet goodness and mercy did follow me. Goodness and mercy did follow me. And I think that this too is a practical application for each of our lives. That wherever we are and whatever we do and whatever we say and whatever acts we've done, that we leave behind us to the best of our own ability, goodness and mercy. That we leave behind acts of justice and love. We leave behind acts of sacrifice. We leave behind acts of forgiveness. We leave behind acts that allow other people to feel the goodness and the mercy of God so that together we can dwell together in unity, and so that together we can dwell together forever in the house of the Lord. The word dwell means to sit down and to remain and to settle. 
together. Someday we will be together, all together, forever. I can probably say this. Do you think 50 years is, is very long? Maybe, maybe not. In 50 years, we'll all be in heaven. Maybe even shorter. Maybe the Lord will come back sooner. Life is short. Life is very short. And if there's just one thing that I would want for each of you and for myself is to realize the brevity of life means that there must be a priority in life so that we don't waste it. Don't waste the rest of your life. I don't want to waste the rest of mine. And the way that I know that that can happen for all of us is that we go to our shepherd and we make him the priority of our life. He's the first thing we think of when we wake up. He's the last thing we think of when we go to sleep. And we make priority time throughout the day to dwell upon him, to read his word. This is not being holy and righteous and having rituals. This is about being loving and relational and having a closeness to a shepherd who cares for us. Jesus says that I am the gate and whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. If you look at this picture, it's a little hard to see, but right there is the gate. Looks like the battery just died. Okay, but um, the gate is right here, okay, at the very bottom. And um, oftentimes what the shepherd would do is the shepherd would lay there at night. And the reason was so that while he slept, none of the sheep could sneak out and get a midnight snack. The sheep wouldn't be able to get out of the pen because the shepherd would be the gate. And then in the morning, when the sun was up or when it was time for the sheep to go out into graze, the shepherd would get up. And literally, he was the gate. He was the door by which the sheep would come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus is our only shepherd. He is the one who died on the cross for us. And behind the cross was goodness and mercy. It followed him. It followed him from the resurrection. It followed him through the 50 days on earth. It followed him through the ascension. It follows him now in heaven. Goodness and mercy. This is all that we have. This life now. And I encourage you. And I invite you. To let the Lord be the shepherd who is that priority of your life that you will always be aware of him. For we have said, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all that I want. The Lord is my shepherd. He's all that I need. But the final thing that we can say is, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all that I have. Because when it comes to the end of life, you're not going to have anything else. I'm not going to have anything else. It won't matter anymore. The only thing that's going to matter is that I have what I need for eternity. And that is to have Jesus, to have our good shepherd, to have our heavenly shepherd. And so this is my desire for you as it is my desire for me, that we would follow the good shepherd, that he would be the one we love above all things, that we would follow him all the days of our life. And nothing, nothing, nothing will be more important to us because you know what? Nothing, nothing, nothing is more important to him than you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. And Lord, even now in my heart, in my mind, I'm thinking there was one thing. There was one thing more important to Jesus than us. And that's his father. His God. But it is because of that that he loved his God. That he followed his God. And he obeyed his God and he honored his God. And when he was on the cross and he said, my God, my God, he was confident still in your sovereign power 
and in your love. But he does love us. No one loves us more than Jesus. I pray, Father, that we would love no one more than you. Increase our love, Lord. Help us to know and hold on to you. Help us, Lord, to be able to say every day, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all I want. The Lord is my shepherd. He's all I need. The Lord is my shepherd. He's all I have. And it is good. For he is good. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Why don't we stand for this uh, response song, You Never Let Go. And um, thank you, Pastor Curtis, for reminding us that God is our, is our comfort and that no matter what we're going through, that we can look to God, our shepherd. So let's sing and give, give praise to God, um, reminding, reminding us that he will never let go of us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow
receive this from the Lord himself. May the God of peace, who the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And amen. God bless your week.